first of all, how many of you are in a position just to need miracle money? You, you've got to be in position to even need a miracle to get a miracle. Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. And I am currently in the midst of a series entitled Miracle Money, and this is actually part three. Part one was sermon number 5421 called The Law of Stretching. What God spoke about the law of stretching is they can tell how much they are stretching things by how much garbage they have. Part two is number 5423 called the law of appreciation. And in that God simply spoke with people. The longer they are blessed with things, the less they appreciate them. And as I begin into this third segment of miracle money. I want you to understand that really the first and primary requirement for a miracle is that you need a miracle. You know, if you don't need a miracle, then you're not really in position to receive a miracle. You, you see, I cannot get a miracle healing unless I am sick. If you stand up and testify I just received a miracle healing where well, you got to know from what? Because see, if you're not sick, you're not in position to receive a miracle healing. I, I don't have anything seriously wrong with my body. Now, everyone has a few little nicks and nacks, but I don't have anything really wrong with my body. So if you don't have anything that's plaguing you and that's really wrong with you, you're not really in position for a miracle healing. If your money is in really good shape and it's just flowing and you can just see it coming and building up and, and you don't have, have any financial issues, you're not really in position to receive miracle money. See, everyone in the Bible who really got a miracle, they really needed a miracle. So this message of miracle money, if you're not really in a need for miracle money, see, Bill Gates does not need to hear miracle money. I mean, his, his fortune may have gone from 40 billion to 30 billion. Maybe if, if the economy just goes completely to pot, he could only be worth 20 billion. 20 billion is 20,000 million. Bill Gates doesn't need miracle money. So if you're not in position, you don't even need the miracle. So first of all, how many of you, first of all, are in a position just to need miracle money? You, you've got to be in position to even need a miracle, to even get a miracle. And this third session of miracle money is entitled The Law of Depreciation. The law of stretching, the law of appreciation, and the law of depreciation. And this is what God spoke to me about the law of depreciation. Simply this. All things in the material plane eventually rot. All things 
in the material plane eventually rot. It's one of the fundamental laws of thermodynamics. And if anyone has ever taken physics or thermodynamics and they're familiar with the laws of thermodynamics, there are several of them. But one of them that this relates to in particular simply states that in a closed system, the entropy always increases. And what entropy simply means, it's called the, it's a measurable degree of randomness or disorder. Basically, it's when stuff breaks down. And what the basic law of thermodynamics says is that the entropy in the universe is increasing. Put it in plain terms, stuff left to itself gets worse. And everything in the material plane eventually rots. It's the law of depreciation. We understand sometimes depreciation in accounting. It's an accounting term that simply means if you buy a piece of equipment or a property, you can depreciate it over a certain period of time. And there are different appreciation or depreciation times depending upon what it is. Right now for property, if you buy commercial property, you can depreciate it over 20 years. Say, for example, if you bought a piece of property and you paid $100,000 for it, you can depreciate it $5,000 a year for 20 years. What that means is at the end of 20 years, it is from an accounting perspective worth absolutely zero. But yet you're still living in the thing. Or still using it. So that's the law of depreciation from an accounting perspective, but from a material perspective, everything in the material plane is rotting and tearing up. And we need to understand the law of depreciation so that we're able to understand clearly some things about miracle money. All of this stuff in the material plane. Is tearing up. Do you know when you look in the mirror, you're tearing up and rotting? And just a simplest, I mean, I'm still in, in real good shape. But when I look in the mirror, I don't look like I looked 20 years ago. I see some stuff that just is not as tight and taut as it used to be 20 years ago. Stuff is sagging and falling down and graying and wrinkling and all that kind of stuff. You understand what I mean? It's just... Even when you look in the mirror, you can, now some of you are, I mean, and you are, don't take me, you all are so beautiful. Some of you, you're just so beautiful. And, and I don't mean to imply that you're rotting, but, but that's what the flesh is, people. Everything, all this stuff is out of dust and dirt, and that's where we're headed. We can't fool us. We're headed back to that. So all of this stuff in the material plane, all of this stuff is going back to dust. The finest cars, the finest clothes, the finest houses, all of that stuff is headed back to dust. So when we understand some things, and I want to just go over as quick as I can, I want to start with the wisest man that the Bible said who ever lived, which was, of course, King Solomon. In 1 Kings chapter 4, beginning at the 29th verse, it says, God gave Solomon great wisdom and understanding and knowledge too vast to be measured. So the man was so smart, had so much wisdom, it was immeasurable. In fact, his wisdom exceeded that of all the wise men of the East and the wise men of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, including, including Ethan, the Israelite, and Hermon, and Calcol, and Dara, the sons of Mahal. His fame spread throughout all the surrounding nations. He composed some 3,000 proverbs and wrote 1,005 songs. He could speak with authority. 
about all kinds of plants, from the great cedar of Lebanon to the tiny hyssop that grows from cracks in a wall. He could also speak about animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. And kings from every nation sent their ambassadors to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. And in 1 Kings chapter 3, third, uh, 12 verse, New Living Translation, and this is when Solomon had had made a thousand sacrifices and he asked God for wisdom and understanding and God spoke to him and says, I will give you what you ask for. I will give you a wise and understanding mind such as no one else has ever had or ever will have. God told Solomon, I'm going to give you a mind that understands and has wisdom greater than anyone else who has ever been or ever will be. So here God is saying, this is the smartest and the wisest man who's ever been or ever will be. And and by that principle or that statement, it lets me know one thing. Solomon is smarter than I am. It lets me know another thing. He's smarter than you are. So if, if God says, I'm giving this man more wisdom and understanding than anyone who's ever... Now, he did say man, so maybe there's some women who may be smarter than Solomon. But he said, I'm giving him more than any man who's ever lived or ever will live. And another rule is that if the foolish and the unlearned... They will not understand on the same level as the wise and the learned. So we cannot expect to understand as Solomon did unless we are as wise and as experienced as Solomon. Einstein was one of the greatest minds of the century. And Einstein could only discuss his deep theories with about three folk on earth. Because folk couldn't even understand it. One the time he just wrote the math equation. Most people just sit there and they just, who? They didn't even know what he was talking about. He could only discuss his deep theories with about three people on the whole earth. So what does this have to do with miracle money? It, it helps you understand where the miracle is from a point of wisdom. But you're going to have to go to some deep wisdom. You're going to have to understand some of the things that Solomon understood. Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, and I want to start with that first verse, the first chapter, and read everything that God told me to read about Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is one of those kind of twisty, deep books that, that it's, it's, it's a, it's a, you can see why it's sometimes maybe written by the wisest man that God says ever has or ever will live. And I'm reading this from the New Living Translation so it's clear to you. These are the words of the teacher, King David's son, who ruled in Jerusalem. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. This is the wisest man who's ever lived. What do people get for all their hard work? Generations come and go, but nothing really changes. The sun rises and sets and hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and north, here and there, twisting back and forth, getting nowhere. The rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows again to the sea. Everything is so weary and tiresome. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. Solomon wrote this thousands of years ago. Wisest man who ever lived. He said everything is meaningless. 
He says everything is so tiresome and wearisome. He says no matter how much we see and hear, is never enough. How many of you been to the movies lately? How many of you watch television lately? Is it enough? No matter how much you see in here, it's never enough. See, he said none of this stuff has ever changed. People can come out of the movie, ooh, that was an awesome movie. What are we going to see what? Next. No matter how much you see, that's why they have to keep making music, Brother Ivy. No matter how much people hear, they still want more. Solomon said no matter how much you see in here, it is the wisest man whoever this stuff has not thousands. Now, they didn't have CDs and DVDs and Blu-ray and instant down. They didn't have all that back then. But Solomon said none of this stuff has changed. No matter how much you see and hear, it's still never enough. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. What can you point to that is new? How do you know it didn't already exist long ago? We don't remember what happened in those former times. And in future generations, no one will remember what we are doing now. Solomon said, how do you know all this stuff hadn't been before? If you really start getting deep into history, there are all of the stories of Atlantis and the people who were already far technically advanced than we are right now. So why is this man, whoever was, how do you know all this stuff hadn't been? How do you know the Internet is new? How do you know that? How do you know this stuff wasn't here long ago and all this stuff is just repeating and man goes through the cycle all over again? Because if you notice, even in Genesis, God told Adam and Eve to go and replenish the earth. That's a deep one. How do you know this stuff? Why is this man who's ever lived says, how do you know this stuff hasn't already been? It's all repetition. I, the teacher, was king of Israel, and I lived in Jerusalem. I devoted myself to search for understanding and to explore by wisdom everything being done in the world. I soon discovered that God has dealt a tragic existence to the human race. Everything under the sun is meaningless, like chasing the wind. What is wrong cannot be righted. What is missing cannot be recovered. I said to myself, look. I am wiser than any of the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me. I have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. So I worked hard to distinguish wisdom from foolishness. But now I realize that even this was like chasing the wind. For the greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. That's deep. What Solomon said, look like the more I learn... The more stuff troubles me. Sometimes I wish I didn't know. A lot of people like to discuss a lot of the deep conspiracy theories and stuff. Sometimes I just wish I didn't know all that stuff. Sometimes when you you see stuff, the more you understand, it's the more stuff to worry you. Sometimes the simple mind has a more peaceful and happier existence than even the psalmist said. This is the wisest man who ever was and ever will be, says the more I learn. That's why you notice sometimes even when you get a whole lot of education, it doesn't make you happier. You ever notice it doesn't make you happier. So, so Solomon said, the more education, the more I learn, the more I understand, the more it increases sorrow. Chapter 2, I said to myself, come now, let's give pleasure a try. 
Y'all can relate to that. Y'all say amen. Because I done tried all this learning. Let me give having a good time a try. That's what he said. Let me give a... Can you understand? This is a wise man. Look, I tried all this learning. Let me just give having just a slant down good time a try. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was meaningless. It is silly to be laughing all of the time, I said. What good does it do to seek only pleasure? After much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. Let me just take a drink. I mean, let me paraphrase that. Let me, let me just take a puff. Let me just take a hit. Let me, you understand what I'm saying? He said, after much, I, I decided to cheer myself with some intoxicant to see what that would do. While still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. In this way, I hope to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. See, Solomon had seen that too. He says, while still having wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. Because, see, Solomon saw a lot of folk just getting drunk around him. And they were happy drunk. They were happy drunk. You know, drunkness, you, you're not happy when you're sober. But when you're drunk, you know, you, you, don't, you don't have a care in the world just reeling around. He says, so I, I, I see it. He says, some people, this is the only happiness that they have is when they're drunk. So Solomon said, let me just experience this. I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I also owned great herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. The man said, I had mansions, I had cars, I had clothes, I had entertainment, and I had a pile of pretty women. Men say amen. I mean, you got to admit that a man did, if he was going to have some pleasure, the man didn't have step. You got to give him that. He didn't have step. He did say, look, if I'm going to see what this pleasure like, the man did not half step. He had a thousand chariots and a thousand women. You got to get a man credit. He didn't half step. So this man, from a practical point of the material plane, he had it all. He said, I had everything a man could desire. So I became greater than any of the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me. And with it all, I remained clear-eyed so that I could evaluate all these things. Anything I wanted, I took. I did not restrain myself from any joy. I even found great pleasure in hard work, an additional reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. It was like chasing the wind. Wisest man who ever lived. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. So I decided to compare wisdom and folly, and anyone else would come to the same conclusions I did. Wisdom is of more value than foolishness, just as light is better than darkness. 
For the wise person sees while the fool is blind. Yet I saw that wise and foolish people share the same fate. Both of them die. Just as the fool will die, so will I. So of what value is all my wisdom? Then I said to myself, this is all so meaningless for the wise person and the fool both die. And in the days to come, both will be forgotten. Wisest man who ever lived. He said a wise man and the fool share the same fate. And as I was reading and studying over this, God poured a great revelation into my spirit about this. Some I'd never seen. He was a man who had it all. Money, power, fame, a thousand of the prettiest women in the land. This man had it all. And he said, as I studied it, wisest man, educated, learned. He says, I studied all of this stuff. I found it. There was no difference in the wise man and the fool both would die. And God just breathed this into my spirit. He had everything but Jesus. He had everything but Jesus. All of the money, all of the fame, all of the power, all of the women. And without Jesus, it's all meaningless. It all ends and all die. And you see, all and, and what what God, as he showed me this thing, he said, even with the greatest of wisdom, the wisest man who ever lived with all your brain, with all your education, with all your thinking, with all your analytical power, it's all meaningless because you're going to die without Jesus. And you go to the same fate as the fool. That one element, the law of depreciation, is that you have to recognize that all of this material stuff, just as Solomon recognized, is meaningless. It fades away. And he goes on just to talk about how even all of the stuff that he's built up, how does he know who he's going to leave it to is not going to be a fool and blow through it? He said, I don't even, I can't even trust it. I don't work. I'm going to leave all this, all of this stuff with all of this wisdom. He missed one thing. And it's that thing that gives you the difference between the perspective that this stuff will end or that I will have eternal life. But all of this stuff, all of this stuff, if you can touch it, it's going to rot. If you can see it, it's going to rot. And it all dies. And if you don't have Jesus... You are a fool, no matter how wise you are. And this is what I began to see as I saw what Solomon, with all his wisdom, failed to see. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, Solomon could see all of his palaces. He could see all of his women. He could see all of his chariots, but what he could not see. And the thing about spirit, wisdom, the natural learning, that which will explain the animals and, and, the, and the plants and all of the things of nature, all of that stuff will not tell you about the unseen things of spirit. That's something that doesn't come through the man's kind of wisdom like that. That's a deeper type of understanding. All of this stuff, people. Is rotting. 
And we spend so much energy, so much focus, so much time on stuff that's going to rot. Part of miracle money is to have eyes opened on where true value is. See, the only difference between a diamond and a lump of coal is the value placed on it. Because if you freeze, then the coal is more important. You can burn up the coal. So, so the only difference between the value of a lump of coal and a diamond is the value placed on it by the person who has it. Part of miracle money is to open your eyes to be able to see what is truly valuable and what is scheduled to rot. And when you understand what is truly valuable versus what is scheduled to rot, it'll start changing what you see as miraculous. That's why when the prophet was there with his assistant and they were surrounded by all of the king's enemies and the, and the assistant was just sitting there just shaking in his boots and he prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And he opened his eyes and there on the hillside were legions of angels sent to protect them. But he could not see the miracle because his eyes were closed. We're blinded by stuff that rots. And we can't see the miracle of the things that are eternal. Solomon, with all his brain, said everything was meaningless. No, it is not. There are some things that are meaningful. And there are some things that will not die. But you've got to be smart enough to know which is which. We thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word. Because, brother, you need the Word. You are listening to AirJesus.com and the OnlineWord.com. This was the third message in the Miracle Money series by Nathaniel Bronner, Jr., this message was number 5424 and called the Law of Depreciation. That's 5424. The next message is number 5425. To listen to the entire series, click series on airjesus.com or theonlineword.com. Listen to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com often and keep your spirit charged up.